Welcome to Finding Neurodivergence. This segment is Jackson's journey. From start to finish-ish, you'll ride along with me as I discover, find out, figure out, handle, emotionally cry with Jackson's new diagnosis of selective mutism. So come along and learn with me. Okay, so here's a Jackson journey update. And it's not about the details of still not being able to have Jackson psychologists paid for. But it's the emotions behind all of it. First, we've gone to two sessions with a psychologist. And it's going to be really good. Um, she understands selective mutism. She has a treatment plan. But it's hard because I'm the main person. I'm the one who has to always be on my toes implementing what she's teaching me in the home, whenever Jackson is with me, like all the time. Essentially, I'm getting trained to be Jackson's therapist, which is just emotionally draining. I mean, I love my kids, but I am not one to get on my hands and knees and play imaginary play with them. I'm more the one who will like dance and make fun of them and them me and like that kind of stuff. Like I've never been the one that's like, oh, let's do more academics and ask them to count things and all that jazz. I've just always just been a fun mom. And now I'm being forced to be this therapist who's demanding so much more of him than ever before and keeping a balance of being mom and me being his safe space and it's exhausting like all I want to do is have him be on his tablet and me watch tv (laughs) because then we're just connected and I don't have to do any of it but I also know that that's not going to work because he needs to move forward and he needs to be able to connect to this world because no one knows him and that's the other thing that's really hard that hit me I just came back today from doing the assessment for the school so because of his selective mutism he doesn't really talk at school and so the psychologist asked me to sit in on the assessment and have me you know try to get him to do what he needed to do and he's just a totally different kid in front of other people especially people he doesn't know in environments he doesn't know And especially the people who are demanding of him, you know. And it was just hard because I see the kid who's in my van going to school talking to me and asking me to hold his Pop-Tart and to put his Pop-Tart there and that I'm not allowed to eat his Pop-Tart and he wants to eat his Pop-Tart later, like telling me all the things. And then to a kid who doesn't make eye contact with anyone, including me, and won't say any words but, home and point to the car and start doing all these things like shaking his head and picking at his skin and like like if you didn't know him you would think he was autistic like a nonverbal autistic child nothing wrong with that I'm just saying like you would just you don't know who he is 
And then I'm doing the assessment and I'm realizing how delayed he really is. Like even if he could do some, like where he really, his capability is really stopped. And that's hard. It's just so hard to see. And I feel like every parent and mom and dad and grown up of these neurodiverse kids, like they're in your home in their safest space, being unconditionally, unconditionally loved by you. And you get them at their best. You see who they really are. You know who they are. You know, you know them. But then you also get their worst. They let all the frustration out. They let all the anger out. They let all of it out. And you get the you get them at the worst. So you get them at the best and you get them at the worst. And it's hard because it's such a bipolar dynamic. And I and you stop and realize like the world doesn't know who Jackson is. And the psychologist was sitting there telling me, like, I showed her the video of Jackson just talking. And he was like, whoa, totally different kid. Like, here, no eye contact, no words, nothing. And it just breaks my heart. And then I feel guilty because it breaks my heart. And I know what I have to do, which is all this work. And I don't want to do it because it's emotionally draining. But I do want to do it because I want the world to know who he is. It's just so hard. And then I also know that if I, if I make this like Jackson and being his therapist and doing that all out and hyper-focused on it with my ADHD and, like, that's what I'm going to do, then what else is going to suffer? Like, the house, which then affects Chris, the connection with the girls, like, there's just so many emotions because I feel like I can't do it all, but I have to do it all in order for everyone to reach their best. And I'm tired and I'm lazy and I'm exhausted. And I just want to eat chocolate on the couch. And pretend that I don't have to do any of this. (sighs) I love my kids unconditionally. And I know that they're going to reach greatness. Lexi, Zandy, and Jackson. All in their own way. In their own time. I just wish that it wasn't so hard for them. And it wasn't so hard for me. And I know that even though it's hard for me, it's harder for them. And also, I'm the one living my life, and it's hard, and it's exhausting, and it's draining. 
And somehow, I got to process those, these emotions, get to a place so that by the time I pick up my kids, I can show up for them. Because that's what, in the end, what matters most is that I show up for them. a sandwich that I bought some chocolate and somehow get to a place so that I can do this thank you for listening we truly appreciate it Please subscribe to Finding Neurodivergence through Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.